we are raw and real mothers sharing our struggles, triumphs, and everything in between. We are all about being authentic and sharing who we are. None of us have it all together. We know how hard motherhood is. We also know how joyful motherhood is. We're here to grow with you. We're here to empower and support each other. As we share our hearts, we become stronger. Our stories bring us together. The mother heart is within every woman. Welcome to our Mother Heart Book Talk. Today we're going to be discussing a book called And They Were Not Ashamed, Strengthening Marriage Through Sexual Fulfillment. It's by Laura M. Brotherson. And when she wrote the book, she was a certified family life educator who specialized in sexual health. Since then, she's written a few more books and she's gotten a license in mental health therapy. But this book was her first and she wrote it largely because of her own struggles that she had with sexuality and trying to make sense of the cultural upbringing that she had about surrounding sexuality or the lack of it and her marriage where she wanted to feel sexually fulfilled. So um, this book I kind of stumbled onto. It's one of those that I probably avoided a lot, like, oh, great, a Mormon sexuality book. I don't really think I'm going to read that one. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen it before, <laughs> but just kind of never been interested in it. And I decided to read it one day and read it with, well, listen to it with my husband on a big road trip. And both of us at the end were floored by so many things that she said. We thought we knew about sexuality and we thought we were doing fine sexually, but there were so many points in the book that we were like, oh, I get mm-hmm. it now. And it was really eye-opening. And I've been recommending it since then to everybody that I can talk to. And so I recommended it to all the ladies of the Mother Heart, and we're going to be talking about that today. So I'd love to hear what you guys thought about the book. Well, I really liked it. I, 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 you know, I felt like there were so many things that would help not only me, but other people. I have a lot of friends that we've talked about different uh, challenges, I guess, in sexual fulfillment in our marriages and stuff. And so felt like this is this is a book that really is um, helpful and needed in our culture and community. So, Yeah, there were parts in the book where I was angry because I was like, how is it that so many women are growing up and being married for 20 years and don't know their body parts and they don't know so much about sexuality and they're just suffering with very low fulfillment? Yeah. A lot of misconceptions on the way sex should be, quote-unquote, right? Mm-hmm. Or the way we've been taught. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talks about the good girl syndrome. Let's see. Yeah, that one I think is huge. Mm-hmm. And it's she gives a, some pointers of what it means, the good girl syndrome, quote-unquote, um, that there's discomfort, embarrassment, or inability to appropriately discuss sexual matters. Um, there's an underlying belief that sex is bad, wrong, dirty, or sinful. Except for procreation. Except for mm-hmm. that. And so that's actually, not fulfilling. I actually had, um, I know somebody who, when they went to the stake president, her and her husband, or fiancé, they went to the stake president. And the stake president actually said... Their local church leader. Oh, yeah, just sorry, our, our local church leader. And he said, oh, yeah, it's only for procreation that's the only reason to have sex in marriage and they were really angry she especially was like that is totally wrong that is not that is Mm -hmm. not correct doctrine that's not true you know and she was very upset about it Mm -hmm. and you know so even 
church leaders sometimes or other uh, ecclesiastical leaders, um, I think, have a misconception of what it should be and what it's for. And so and then they're passing that on to I mean, how many people has he interviewed in order to go to the LDS temple to get married and spread these false ideas and, you know, perpetuated issues into Mm -hmm. their marriage? You know what I mean? So that's kind of sad. sad. Not that he was trying, I don't think. He, you know, he just had the false he was conceptions well himself. Meaning. Yeah, he was well-meaning, but just didn't understand himself. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that was one thing I really liked, that she went, goes through and she talks um, and gets a lot of, from the scriptures and from um, LES church leaders that say, it is great, it's a good thing, it's, it's of God, it's divine, and it's su- supposed to be not only to procreate, but also to come closer together, to become one, to um, mm-hmm. more pleasure and for joy. fun and enjoy, yeah, enjoyment and enjoy all those things. So, which is great. I think that's definitely needed in a lot of Christian homes and families. So, Have you guys heard Elder Holland's quote where he said that sex is like a sacrament? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like um, a That's souls. pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about that and... If it's like a sacrament, then it's super important, and it's what binds us to each other and to God. And I mean, I don't know. I just thought that was a really cool statement. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that too. I heard. I think it was in that same talk of what is it called of souls, symbols, and sacraments. Or it was in that talk. And he also talked <clears throat> about it as an ordinance. Um, I go read the talk so that you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I remember just I, either I personally remember developing a thought that. You know, sexual intimacy in marriage is like an ordinance. It's mm-hmm. a very sacred and noble thing, and it's one of the highest and most beautiful things that we can experience together as husband and wife. And that actually, that's one huge thing that totally changed my perspective throughout my marriage is understanding just how sacred and important it was. That really helped me through when I was experiencing good girl syndrome stuff at the beginning of my marriage. It just really helped me to... Um, to have a more eternal perspective of that. so I think in that same talk he said something along the lines of, we're never more like God than we are in the act yeah. of sex. Well, wow. well I thought it was interesting when they're going through the, the things of like misbeliefs that you've carried through, like the good girl syndrome, when you've been taught that it's bad or it's you know, dirty or sinful or whatever um, as you're growing up. And so then once you get married, you still have those feelings of, oh, I'm bad if I'm doing this or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even even though maybe intellectually you understand, oh, this is fine. This is a good thing. You know, subconsciously or emotionally, you feel like, oh, it's <clears throat> not so good. And so, mm-hmm. um, well, and she also says that it can affect both genders. So it's not just women who can experience the mm-hmm. good girl syndrome, but men as well mm-hmm. who have also had that conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. As young men and young women and, and, you know, with our church leaders, with our parents, trying to help us be um, morally righteous, mm-hmm. maybe going overboard and then <clears throat> get married and we don't know what to do. It really so. affected how I want to talk to my children about sex, too. Uh-huh. But... I don't want to keep perpetuating that of sex is naughty and bad and yeah. shameful, you know. 
Not that I would try to, but I think it accidentally happens when we don't talk about sex with our kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I thought she, I was interesting, too, because she said that, you know, even if we feel uncomfortable talking about it and we start talking to our kids about it, then we can accidentally, you know, even if we're saying the right things, it's a good thing. It's wonderful. But if we're feeling like really uncomfortable and tense and, they'll you know, sense they'll sense that and it'll be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we first need to work on ourselves and our thoughts and beliefs and how we feel about it yeah. so that we can feel comfortable about sharing it. Although I think that, you know, it's better to talk to them about it, even if it's an uncomfortable thing than to not, even if, you know, you still feel uncomfortable talking about it. You know what I mean? So yeah. you continue to work on yourself. And I don't think it's a one conversation type thing. I think it's you talk to them multiple times about um, and she even talks about it later on in the book, just, you know, that you talk about it in different ways as they're growing up. So it's not like a a one conversation and it's done. It's a conversation throughout their life so that they're prepared when they get married. Mm -hmm. So so we've talked about how um, the overcoming that good girl syndrome mentality has is one key uh, point in this book that helps people to overcome um, discomfort and uh, false perspectives about um, sexuality and intimacy and in marriage. I'm just curious what other um, points she brought up in the book you got, stood out to you guys about what um, helps you to have a healthy perspective of sexual intimacy. Well, another thing that I thought of was, um, you know, it's it's funny. She just talks about how when you, you know, there's a, a, a young woman and a young man and they are really naive or maybe just ignorant about how their bodies work and what they need to be fulfilled and be happy in their relationship with their spouse. And they get married and they think, oh, I've been good all my life and so it's just going to naturally come and it'll just be wonderful and this amazing experience that I've been looking forward to all my life. Um, and, you know, it'll be just like it shows on TVs and TV and movies and stuff. Um, and then they're really disappointed because their expectations were not fulfilled and then they start getting upset and resentful and, you know, and then that perpetuates to later on and it continues, right? And uh, I actually have a friend who I talked to earlier today. Uh, she said I could share her story. Um, sorry, I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but it was, um, she, she called me and another friend that we've been friends since, um, high school actually and um was like hey let's can we go and and have a girls weekend and and just talk and hang out and we're like yeah let's do we haven't hung out for a really long time let's get together and we did we went um and hung out turns out that she'd been she and her husband had really been struggling in their um sexual intimacy in marriage and um and it'd been a problem they'd been married for 14 years and she'd never been able to climax and they, they'd always been, it's always been a struggle. And so, and she didn't ever feel like she could reach out to anyone. Like she didn't feel like she could talk to other people, um, uh, women in her family and uh, friends. And so she'd reached out to us. And so we talked about it and, and we're able to work through some, some things. And the thing that she said, the, um, the couple of things that helped her the most. They've been able since then to really progress and um, they're still working on becoming better. 
in that in that area. But um, and they, it's the the thing is, they love each other. They have an awesome relationship outside of that, right? And so, and they just didn't know how to fix it, right? It just and and those expectations were the thing that held um, them back, right? They had these expectations and and not mm-hmm. a lot of um, maybe understanding of what each other needed. And so after the first little bit, they that resentment started because it was like, you know, they didn't and they weren't weren't able to communicate really well about it. Um, but finally, when they were able to finally communicate outside of that time period. Right. So they would just wait. That was one of the suggestions that we had made was. Well, don't talk about it right in the moment. Wait until you're both calmed down another time. Then you can talk about it and discuss what needs to happen um, in order for both of you to be happy and be fulfilled. And um, anyway, so they took she took that back advice back to her husband. They were able to talk about things and work through things. And the other thing was that they had to forget everything that everyone had ever said to them about what sex is supposed to be like mm-hmm. when they're married. That was another thing that had held them back. And finally, when they had, were able to just say, hey, we're here in this moment. It's just you and me. Let's decide what we want and how we want it. Then they were able to move forward and decide together what made them happy rather than mm-hmm. trying to, you know, fit in someone else's shoes because it's such an individual experience, you know, for each couple. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, anyway, that was great story. Thank you. Yeah, Janessa, your advice um, is actually in this book, in Chapter 10. It's called The Couple's Dialogue Process, but it's a way of opening up the discussion when both people are calmed down and can, and you know, use I statements, and it tells you exactly what to say so that no one gets really frustrated but can still share what they That's need so and want. That's so helpful. Yeah. So, anyway. Some, something else I really appreciate in this book is it talks about um, the opportunity and option to pray if you're having struggles with sexual intimacy to come together as husband and wife and pray and there's no harm it, because once you can come to, once you understand that it is a godly thing it's something that God approves of and wants each couple to be able to experience um, and have joy in that experience it it makes more sense to include him in our prayers it may feel funny to some people but I just think that's such a brilliant idea because intimacy is so different from one couple to another. And, and so, I mean, what better way than to go to the ultimate source of knowledge (laughs) for answers to questions like that. And the cool thing is he wants to help, God wants to help us with it. He wants us to be fulfilled in that area. That's Mm -hmm. part of who we are, just like emotions are. And just like our intellect is, our sexuality is an important part of us, of our mm-hmm. identity. Right. Can I also add um, one of my thoughts I was thinking about? One of the things I had to get over was the idea of pleasure being good. Like, because I felt like in our church, we don't really talk about pleasure being a good thing, a positive, like mm-hmm. joyful thing. <laughs> and so that was one of my barriers was that Pleasure is something that is good in um, in marriage. Um, and so, anyway, pleasure is the opposite of pain. And so if you think about our mortality, it's, it's an existence of opposites. And um, 
pain comes in our lives. We're all going to experience pain. We're all going to be experience suffering, sadness. It's, it's kind of baked into the cake of this mortal existence. But in my opinion, I feel like health, happiness, and pleasure are things that usually require some effort on our part. Mm-hmm. And, and <clears throat> by doing so, we create a balance in our lives between uh, of the opposites, between pain, pleasure, sickness, and health that can, as a whole, create joy. That's great. Right? And we're yeah. trying to experience joy in our marriages and joy in our sexual experience with our spouses. That's cool. So. Very cool. There's a, another thing that I really liked about the book that I think is really important for, is, for women to understand is that women's sexuality looks way different than a man's sexuality. <laughs> yes. It does not look the same. It, it doesn't function the same. So mm-hmm. what is fulfilling for a man is probably not going to be fulfilling for a woman. Yeah, Laura Brotherson, the author of this book, she says there's an int- intimacy needs cycle. And she says men need sex to feel love and give love. And women need love to desire sex and give sex. So um, she says women want to want sex, but they need to feel loved and emotionally connected before their sexual feelings can flow. I think you need to feel safe too. Mm-hmm. I actually read, and I want to share this quote. Um, this is in another book um, that is not part of this month, but I'm also reading The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by uh, John M. Gutman. And there's a quote in here um, that um, addresses the um, need for men and women when it comes to sexual intimacy. And I really found it just eye-opening, says the determining factor in whether wives feel satisfied with sex, romance, and passion in their marriage is by 70% the quality of the couple's friendship. Mm. For men, the determining factor is by 70% the quality of the couple's friendship. So men and women come from the same planet after all. Oh, That was super eye-opening to me. Even though men and women function differently biologically, um, what I've read here is if they, if we don't have that foundation in a marriage of friendship, um, that connection then the sexual relationship can't really thrive mm-hmm. at all. That, and in fact, he was talking about when couples come to him um, for therapy and are seeking help for, with their sexual relationship, um, he never starts with giving them a sex manual. He immediately starts them on working on their friendship because he's seen over so many you know, studies um, how that is fundamental in, mm-hmm. in your um, sexual success in the end. So I thought that was a really cool thing to think about. So if you're like, you know, really struggling with intimacy in your marriage to where, you know, that's just not even happening right now, I would suggest starting by working on the relationship and, and go from there. I think another thing that's really important, just in my experience, is that um, you listen to each other and, you know, what just kind of like what my friend was saying that you create your own experience right what you like what they like and and I think when you feel like you're being heard and listened to and they are responding to that right instead of pushing you to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable they say okay well what do you want to do what does make you happy what makes you feel good and and the same thing for you you do the same thing for them then it's going to go so much better than if you're constantly either feeling pushed to do something that makes you feel uncomfortable 
or vice versa, you're pushing them to, to do something mm-hmm. that makes them feel uncomfortable because, you know, again, with the safety, you need to feel like you're being heard and mm-hmm. respected in that, in that such an in, um, intimate and vulnerable situation, right? Yeah, it it's very mm-hmm. vulnerable. And, um, you know, you can work on yourself as much as you can to, to feel comfortable about your sexual uh, life and your intimacy with your spouse. Um, but if you don't feel safe with them, if you don't feel like they're listening to you or that, or, you know, and you're not listening to them, then it's not going to go well, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and then obviously you're not going to want to come together as often, you know, when you have a, a bad experience or a couple bad experiences, then it makes it harder and harder to come back together and want to be together. And, and she talks about that mm-hmm. as well in the book, just that, um, you know, especially when women don't feel like they're completely fulfilled because they're going at the, the man's pace, for example, then, um, you know, the next time it's like, well, why should I, you know, it's work and then I don't get anything from it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I know I felt that in the past. And so, you know, I think it's especially important for the man to realize that, um, yeah, women work differently and it needs to be focused on her. I know, sorry, we're the word, room, room full of women, <laughs> but it needs to start with her, um, you know, because mm-hmm. women are like ovens and men are like microwaves. And so <laughs> ovens need to warm up for a while before they can actually they cook the food, whereas men, yeah. you push the button and start. And so, you know, if you work warm up the oven first, then, you know, you push the button and they can both be happy together but if if you do you know it in a different way then it may not work so well so mm-hmm. <laughs> i read a book where the woman said that their goal in sex is for her to orga- have an orgasm every time every time that's awesome <laughs> and if that happens then guaranteed both people are going to be satisfied but that takes work and practice yeah, and it, it takes knowing your body and your husband knowing your body and mm-hmm. just yeah. And even that, I though, can be pressure. Yeah. You know? Like, even, whenever you yeah, feel pressure, like, you have to orgasm, and especially if he's yeah. feeling, like, pushing it, then it may become even harder for her. Yeah. So it might just, yeah. like, the goal might be better to just, we both Enjoy. have amazing experience together yeah. and feel happy about yeah. that experience. Mm-hmm. And does the goal mm-hmm. have to be an orgasm? Exactly. Right, exactly. The goal I mean, can be you have intimacy yeah. without Intimacy. Orgasm. I think that's a better mm-hmm. word is just intimacy. intimacy. Yeah. Because that can include so many different things. Yeah. Connection. And it can look different every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of yeah, cultures where orgasm is. It does look different every time. So, so. There are cultures where orgasm isn't the goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think, so, what I've read from what I've read and learned about when, I mean, a huge factor, I'm going to say especially for women, is not having stress. Because mm-hmm. those stress hormones are going to shut your entire body down and then it's not going to be enjoyable. And so getting rid of those any expectation that's going to stress you out is really important and just learning to enjoy the moment and be grateful for one another and that connection and bond that you have in that sacred opportunity you have to join together and become as one as um is a really i think healthy way to think about it and then as we open our hearts to that experience then the other blessings follow i mean i'm not saying that we shouldn't like seek you know for orgasm and things like that um, and try to have, you know, as great of um, uh, experience with intimacy as we can. Um, but not but. We can also focus on the other aspects of it as well. So, And for women, this is one thing where I was like, oh, I'm not broken. Because for me, I don't feel like having sex 
a lot sometimes. And I learned that it's there's a lot of con- contextual things that go into it. So if I'm if my kids have been overly needy that day and I'm exhausted, guess what goes first probably. Mm-hmm. And if my house is a wreck and I'm stressed out about it, I'm not into sex then. And if I love one quote that she said in there, if a, if a woman is doing more than her share of the housework, she's probably going to have more than her share of headaches. Mm-hmm. And and so headaches. <laughs> <laughs> so if if it doesn't feel like a fair share of of division of labor, then probably sex is going to go. And so for women, it's not just this. Like for men, it's like they can you know like the microwave, they can do it anytime. But for women, there's so many different factors that play into it. And if we're aware of that, then we can make the situation better. We can get rid of the distractions. We can have a clean house. We can make sure the husband doesn't smell bad. We can, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. so like, put some effort into yeah. this because it matters, right? Well, yeah. he can put some effort into it, too. That's one well, thing my husband oh, I didn't. Says. I didn't mean, like, you should or I should. Like, yes, we yeah, should. Both, both it's a joint effort. Together, it's a joint effort. But he's always like, oh, if... You know, not that he's trying to, like, get me in bed and for the night, but, like, you know, just wanting, when he wants to get connected, then he's like, okay, well, I realize that it starts in the morning where I'm going to do the dishes for her and I'm maybe going to take the kids out and, and take them away so she can get some housework done or she can take a nap or something and to help alleviate my stress. And so then by the time it's evening time, then I'm feeling all lovey-dovey to him, right? Mm-hmm. And then we can have a connection because I'm not stressed out and I feel good. It starts way before the right. morning, though. Yeah, oh, can I just... Sh- oh, can oh, I? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. we're probably you thinking the same yeah, thing. You <laughs> Jennifer Finlayson 5 said that foreplay... Is it foreplay? Yep. Foreplay begins at the end of the last orgasm. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's there right. you go. Yeah, that's right. So another way of thinking about it is like keep that... Keep the pilot light going. Mm-hmm. So have, have it always on. So mm-hmm. that's always I think something, um, something that in between. is important to note for me that's also mentioned in the book is um, touch that is not sexual. Mm-hmm. That, oh, yes. that just opens my heart up to everything else. If I know I'm being touched and it's like just a genuine hug or like my husband's, I love it when anyone plays with my hair. So. Mm-hmm. Um, now we know. I will not. I will <laughs> let anyone do my hair anytime they want, anytime of the day. It's like my favorite thing. So, just anything that's non-sexual, like, is super helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's important, and yeah. it's another part of sexuality, um, even though it's non-sexual. What, what, how would you describe it's that? Just, it's, it's an emotional connection, right? Yeah, it touches. It's more like a comforting, compassionate type of physical touch, which is also needed just as much as. Um, sexual touch. Well, especially if, if you've ever heard of the four love languages. Four, five, six, five. five. <laughs> <laughs> four love languages. The love languages. Period. I think there's six. Food is a, its own category. That's right. love but one of the love languages is physical touch, right? And mm-hmm. I don't think that means sexual touch, you know? I think a lot of men think, oh, well, my first love language is, is physical touch because I want sex all the time, you know? But I feel like that's separate. Like, mm-hmm. physical touch is. is a different thing. And you know, to mix them actually probably calls, causes problems in some ways because mm-hmm. women who are physical touch don't always want to be touched sexually. They just want to be touched physically like hugs and mm-hmm. hand holding and, you know, cute kisses on the cheek or whatever. It doesn't have to be sexual. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So, and, oh. And, 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 oh. No, you, you. and it can get 
it can be exacerbated if um, if you were raised in a home where you didn't get very much physical touch. If, if even you were in an abusive, abusive home where maybe the only kind of touch was abusive. And that can conflate the problem even worse. Mm -hmm. And like the very thing that you need, the physical touch, you may want to shy away from. Mm -hmm. um, and confuse sexual touch with physical touch, those two different needs. So I just wanted to point that out. That I've noticed that like in my marriage a little bit with my husband. So we've definitely been working on that the last few years, just reincorporating physical touch as just a form of affection and love and care and feeling safe and yeah. secure. I think we yeah. all need to feel like awesome. safe and secure. Mm -hmm. And we're not we're not living with our mommies and daddies anymore. So who's going to provide that for us? Mm -hmm. It's our spouse. Well, what is that, that uh, scripture like? Leave your Cleveland, mother in Cleveland to your spouse. Rachel, what were you yeah, going to say? Oh, I was just thinking about something I've done this week that has put things into focus for me. So I find that in, in my marriage, there's times where it's more, it's distant, or we're not feeling as close, or you know, mm -hmm. we're feeling pulled apart, or whatever. Um, I just had this thought because of a book that Anna Maria let me read to clean my bedroom, like our bedroom, declutter the whole thing, make it like this special place for me and my husband. And that every day it's a reminder that he's my number one priority and it gets mm -hmm. cleaned first, the bed gets made, everything gets picked up. That that's the place, no matter if everything else is chaotic, our room is a place that's sacred, sa sacred and that. like clean mm -hmm. and ready for us to be together and have the experiences together. And it really has helped. It's brought, it's brought me, my thoughts closer to him. And so, I don't know, it's a way to have that's your cool. physical environment show that they're your number one priority well and it also yeah, puts you as a number one priority too yeah. because you're there all the time and so your physical environment you. becomes your spiritual environment it's cool. and she says in her book all things unto me are spiritual and not at any time have i given unto you a law which was temporal <laughs> so the, cool. these physical acts that we do with each other and our spouses, they are very spiritual in nature, and they connect us, and we become one, and we become holy. And we need to get rid of those toxic, negative thoughts that surround the stigma that sex is bad and not important. It's very important for our connection and for our, for for us to become our best selves. Yeah. I think it needs to be a top priority. Like, yeah. And so yes. I think that's why I'm grateful for my room to remind me of that. Just not yeah. the sexual aspect, but just marriage. The marriage, in yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I've heard it said so many times that if they're in your family, your most important relationship should be between, um, between you and your spouse. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as a mother, that can it can be really easy to flip that around and end yes. up putting more attention on your children. But if if the you and your spouse are the foundation, and if you're not taking care of your relationship, then everything else hinges upon it, and everything else isn't going to run smoothly. And so, so we've had a really great discussion, and we could go on forever. Probably there's so much that we could talk about, but we're out of time, and so I just want to. Give anybody an opportunity if you have one last action plan that that you got from the book or one last thought that you want to share, and then we'll close up. Okay, I have one last thought. Okay. I'm hogging this. Um, something that's been on my mind this whole entire time is the importance of forgiving and letting go mm -hmm. in a relationship when there's been hurt feelings surrounding intimacy or even just your relationship in general. I feel like that's such a huge part of healing on this in this aspect. So that's all. 
Very Thanks, good. Kylie. Mm-hmm. That's so true in any relationship, but especially with your spouse. Forgiveness is key. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Last thoughts? I, the only other thought that I'd been having was just that, you know, it's okay to learn more about your body, to learn more about what you need as a woman or as a man to be fulfilled and to, and to learn about your spouse and what they need, you know, from reading books or whatever. It's okay, you know, obviously choose your sources wisely, but, you know, learn more about it so that you can have more and more amazing experiences because of the knowledge that you have, not only of your spouse, but also of the act itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's Great. important. We can't think that it's going to get better unless we learn more about it. And it's okay to learn about it. So it's not gross or disgusting or wrong. Shameful. Shameful yeah. to educate yourself about it. So. It's good and it's a gift from God. Yeah. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's divinely yeah. appointed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you to our listeners and... We'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this topic. Share with us on our any of our social media platforms. Yeah, we've got a Facebook page and an Instagram page, motherheart.life. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for joining our Mother Heart Circle. Please send us your thoughts, inspiration, experiences, and stories. Your voice is important. Your wisdom and your hearts are needed. We believe in you. We love you. And thank you for being you.